Welcome to the Melissa Rx Scripts Podcast, the show that brings you lively conversations with leaders, colleagues, and friends in healthcare, pharmacy, and beyond. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining me for the Melissa Rx Scripts Podcast. I'm Melissa Muir Corrigan, and I'll be your host. This is episode 16 of the Melissa Rx Scripts Podcast, and thanks for listening. It's also season two, and I'm super excited to be here with you today. And I want to share that I've missed you guys, and we really look forward to this podcast. Well, 2020 continues to be a year, a year like no other, a pandemic, racial injustice, social unrest, and natural disasters. I encourage you to please join me in gratitude for the frontline healthcare workers and other people showing up and making a difference and working tirelessly every day to change the world. Thanks so much. So now, on today's podcast, I'll be talking with twin sister duo, Ashley and Brooke Barlow. Ashley, Brooke, and I are going to talk about many things, including mentoring, social media, and pharmacy residency training in these unprecedented times. I'll give you a bit of an introduction to Ashley and Brooke, and then let them tell us about their background and adventures in life. Ashley Barlow is a PGY2 pharmacy resident at MD Anderson Cancer Center in Houston, Texas. And we'll hear some fun things about that. And Ashley moved to Texas after completing her PGY1 residency at the University of Maryland Medical Center. Brooke Barlow is a PGY2 pharmacy resident at the University of Kentucky Chandler Medical Center focused on critical care. Ashley and Brooke, thanks so much for being here with me today. Before we get into your career and student experiences, maybe you can talk to me a little bit about your background, where you grew up, about your family, and life in Pennsylvania. Thank you so much for having us on the podcast today, Melissa. We're really excited to share our experiences with you. So my name is Ashley, and I would love to tell you that, you know, we are twins as you introduced us, but in the pharmacy world, we're known as twins, when in fact, we're actually triplets. So Brooke and I are both in pharmacy, and so we're identical sisters. That's why we're known as twins. However, we also have an additional sister. Her name is Danielle. She's not in pharmacy, so it's easy to just think of us as the two. But Danielle is our fraternal sister, and so all three of us were born on July 5th, the day after 4th of July. So we always make the excuse that the fireworks on the 4th of July are for our birthday. So that's just a fun fact about us that not a lot of people in pharmacy really know. Oh, I love that. That is so cool. <laughs> and so as you mentioned, we grew up in Pennsylvania. We grew up in Philadelphia, the suburbs right outside of Philadelphia. And we also have an older brother who's two years older than us. We both miss living in Pennsylvania dearly since we see seasons of both hot and cold weather. As you mentioned, I'm now in Texas, so I'm seeing most of the hotter weather and not going to be seeing any winters anytime soon now. But once again, thank you so much for having us on the podcast today. You're welcome. It's really great to talk with you on the podcast and to get to know you a little bit better. I loved learning a little bit more about your story and that you're twins. And I'm very close to my sister and she's a twin. She has a fraternal twin and we have, my grandmother was a twin and my cousin is a twin and my sister had twins. So we have a lot of twins in our family. And so the I think the sibling bond is, is really, really special. And so I think we'll get into that more today. Brooke, when I did the introduction, I talked about 2020 as being kind of an unprecedented year with COVID-19. So what's that been like for you with your pharmacy residency? And 
tell me a little bit more about how you kind of shared your experience with that. Absolutely. And I just want to say thank you so much, Melissa, for having Ashley and on the podcast today. We're very excited to share our experience. And I think especially during a time of, I like to call it physical distancing. And some of this social communication really helps. It's very powerful during these physical distancing times. But you know, like you said, 2020 has surely been an unprecedented year. And from a residency experience, I will say once COVID came about, it was very challenging, you know, to say that our education and the residency experience was going to be retained as we were kind of taken out of the patient care experiences and taken away from the bedside and onto more remote learning. So for me, as someone who's very eager, I love education. Um, I love being at the bedside as a critical care pharmacist, you know, taking care of my patients, seeing them on a day-to-day -day basis. Having that experience taken away as I was transitioning to more remote learning, especially in April and May, I felt a little bit challenged. And I was like, what is my education gonna look like as a pharmacy resident? So for me, it was really advocating and saying, you know, I want to help these patients, whether they have COVID or non-COVID related patients, not being at the bedside should not prevent me from not feeling like I'm, I can really make an impact. So for me personally, I was on my pediatrics rotation at the time where I was taken to more remote learning. I had asked my preceptor, you know, is there some way that I can get involved? How can I help out? I'm seeing all these things through social media, you know, about how challenging these times are. And I get the emails from our program director every day about, you know, our COVID census and things like that. And I really wanted to be a part of it. I wanted to make a difference. So for me, I, again, had reached out to my preceptor asking how I could get involved. And at the time, they were designing the adult COVID-19 pharmacotherapy guidelines and said, we really don't have much information about pediatrics. So this was a challenging experience for me, not only to kind of learn more about pediatrics, pharmacokinetics, pharmacodynamics, understanding how to evaluate pediatric literature, but also guideline development, you know, working interprofessionally with our infectious disease team, with some of the pediatric residents, medical residents, being able to develop this guideline. So for me, it really felt like even though I wasn't at the bedside, I could still make a difference. And thankfully, we got this all the way through our PNT committee. I mean, it was accepted and it's ever changing now that, you know, the COVID literature is changing and evolving nearly on an hourly basis. <laughs> but I was very thankful to share this story with uh, the American College of Clinical Pharmacy has a website where they have share your story. And it's about COVID-19. How are you getting involved? What are you doing in your organization as a pharmacist? So I was thankful to be able to share my experience. And I know Ashley did something similar as she created a field house up at the University of Maryland Medical Center. So I will say, although it's unprecedented, it is surely a time where you can get involved in many ways, even if you're not at the bedside. You know, I love that you described about the physical distancing that we're doing right now and that we're connecting in different ways. And I think it's had us all kind of pivot and adapt to figure out what does that look like? You know, if we're not physically next to someone, but how can we stay connected to family and friends and then our work colleagues and what that looks like. So yeah, I agree with you that it's, it's an interesting time for that. And then I love that, you know, when you were faced with remote learning and it was going to look so different, you wanted to make sure, and I've heard that from some of our other guests when I talked with Lisa Gersima, past ASHP president about residents and practitioners really wanting to have the, and students, student pharmacists, to have that experience. And so thank you for sharing that example and also highlighting what we know for sure. It's changing daily. It's sometimes changing hourly. And so, you know, there's so much key learning with that of how do you have the resilience being able to adapt with that. So I appreciate that you shared that. And 
we'll probably link to the ACCP Share Your Story. That's kind of cool. So that was neat to learn more about that. Pleasure. And I'm, I know Zoom has become everyone's best friend recently. So we've been able to, although it's still physical distancing, at least there's some good facial interaction and communication there. So absolutely. Yeah, you know, I think maybe some of us, we had done a little Zoom before, but boy, 2020 has been the year, the year of Zoom. So yes, that is, that is so important to see that. You know, the other thing that's, that was really big and before times, but continues to be important is meetings and attending meetings. And, you know, for years, I have attended the ASHP mid-year meeting, which is the largest gathering of pharmacy professionals in the world. And it's usually a, a highlight, you know, it's in Vegas or New Orleans or Atlanta, sometimes out in California. And there's cool things that go on there. There's networking, the residency showcase, and connecting with leaders in pharmacy. And I know, Ashley, that you too have had an interesting experience that, and you're always looking to connect and meet with people. So can you tell me a little bit more about when you met Sarah White, an icon in health system pharmacy and a leader in women in pharmacy? Yes, absolutely. This was definitely one of the highlights in the beginning of my pharmacy career, for sure. Sarah White has always been, as you mentioned, an icon in health system pharmacy, especially in my eyes, as she talks about leadership. When she won the Harvard Whitney um, and when she did her lecture for that award recipient, she talked all about leadership. And so something that's always stuck with me throughout the beginning of my pharmacy career and especially when I went through residency interviews was her concept of big L's and little L's, which essentially means big L's are defined leaders, those who are already in leadership positions like directors, and then little L's, those who are just leaders on a daily basis, whether it's in their practice or even just within their shift. And so when I met Sarah White, we talked a little bit about her philosophy on leadership. And I wanted to take a moment just to read to the listeners one of my favorite excerpts from her leadership award lecture that I really, really enjoy and I still stick to today. And this will come back as to what we talked about when we met her. So in her leadership, um, she said, every day all pharmacists make decisions that affect the way we think, live, interact, react, and learn. Regardless of what we may believe, no one else leads us through life. We must take the initiative. Leaders make decisions, provide direction, develop plans, guide and nurture themselves and others, seek opportunities and make choices. Leaders have inner drive, a passion for what they do for making things better. Leaders realize that hard work, sacrifice, persistence will allow them to achieve goals and dreams. They are uncompromised in their level of commitment and continuously challenge the limits of their own knowledge. In the end, she says, leaders know that nothing of value comes without being earned. Leaders do not place their priorities on earning money, fame, or success. They lead because they need and want to address it. And I mean, every time I read this and when we talked to her in person, I told her how much I enjoyed and lived by these words of wisdom that she talked about. And so when we met her and told her about our residency process that we were going through, through interviews, she told us that we were already on our way to being little else. Oh, and that in life, as we complete residency and we enhance our skill set, we're one step closer to becoming big L's in our life. She encouraged us to find what passions we have that help drive us to be better clinical pharmacists and embrace every opportunity where leadership arises to become such a successful woman, just like she was. So she's, you know, she looked at us and she was like, you, you're both, I'm confident are going to follow in my shoes. And, you know, we did take a picture together that I, I have hung up on my desk at, at work. Every time I'm needing a little bit of inspiration, I think about the time I met her and, you know, my goal of being a leader in pharmacy one day, and it really means a lot to me. 
Oh, I love that story so much for so many reasons. And I love that you quoted, you know, from her Whitney lecture. I spoke a couple weeks ago at University of Iowa College of Pharmacy for their professional engagement, which is their kind of orientation week for P1s. And my lecture was on big L and little L leadership. So of course I referenced Sarah and her Whitney lecture. And I think what you said and you know what I shared with the students, this unprecedented time that we're in right now really provides the opportunity for student pharmacists, for residents, for practitioners to be both little L and big L leaders. Because you know if there's a time for leadership, it's for sure right now. So I love that you two got to meet her and you know, she's been a guiding force in my career. And I think about when I was CEO of PTCB, we spent some time together. There was an ASHP summer meeting where we grabbed a coffee between, the, I think, the House of Delegates or something. And she just had such wise wisdom. And I very much appreciated the time that she took with me. And I know that she does that with many others. And we brought her out a couple of years ago to speak at our Zeta Cooper conference. So I'm so glad that you have that experience. And then I also think it's encouraging for our listeners that if there's someone they want to meet, were you a little nervous when you went up and got the picture taken? I mean, I would think you would be, but aren't you glad you did it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we at first, we looked, we knew it was her from behind, we're walking behind her. <laughs> Me and Brooke immediately looked straight at each other. We were like, that's Sarah White. And Brooke was like, we're going to do it. We're just going to, we're just going to go say hi. Like, and my favorite thing that Brooke said to me, she's like, what's the worst that could happen? We could introduce ourselves and she wouldn't know us, but you know, it's always great to make those connections. And I think, you know, as you mentioned in the beginning, now that we're doing these virtual meetings, it will be a barrier and harder to do that. But this is when we become those big L's by finding new innovative ways to meet and network with people. So yes, we were certainly nervous, but ended up getting a wonderful memory and a photograph out of it. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a good takeaway is it's like, when you said, what do you have to lose? You know, let's just go for it. And also I like the idea too, especially when we're thinking about virtual meetings and you know, how we can connect and what that can look like. Sometimes we have to laugh when things glitch, you know, or they don't work or we're learning new things. And so it's kind of like, we're all in this together. And I, you know, I was part of something a few months ago when someone said it's messy or we're in the messy middle right now. So, you know, it gives you a little bit more grace, I think, to go for it. Absolutely. I agree with that 110%. And I think right now it's even more important to do so to really try and make those networking connections that are so important. Well, I think that's a good segue to both Ashley and Brooke, to both of you, that over the last few years, you've expanded your presence in social media. And that's actually how we connected. I learned more about you from Twitter. And I was like, I need to get to know these gals there. You were doing some really cool things. So can you talk to me a little bit about how that came about and how you're engaging with your professional colleagues? And I know for myself, that when I first got on Twitter and started doing different things and different engagement in social media on different channels, I've learned a lot. So what are some of the lessons that you've learned and what are some of the topics that you two are engaged in on social media? It has definitely been quite the journey, Ashley and I going through uh, social media. So admittingly, beforehand, we only had like an Instagram where we we're in love with food and cooking and doing some food blogging. And then it was finally like, you know, we recognized the professional value of social media through one of our mentors, Dr. Robert Pugliese, who was a emergency medicine pharmacist at Thomas Jefferson University. And we did some different projects and doing topic discussions with him. We would create these visual infographics or 
different topic discussions that had just very visually appealing handouts that he really thought would have value going onto a social media platform where, you know, more than just the few of the students or different preceptors sitting in the room could really value from some of the information and engage with it more than something than just a written article or, or something along those lines. So he really encouraged us to get involved. And at first, I think Ashley and I both thought of social media as something more or less getting involved with maybe sports or some celebrities, but that is a total misconception. Uh, social media has such professional value to it. And we only hope that if there's something to take away from today, there really is so much to social media in terms of our professional value. And it's just kind of looking, looking for it and getting involved, kind of taking that first step in to really see exactly what it is all about. So once Ashley and I got involved in social media, it was probably around late 2017 or so, it was a slow start. You know, we would post some pearls here and there, some things from our clinical rotations. We would do kind of like a one thing I learned today. So there's a great hashtag to follow on Twitter, hashtag O-T-I-L-T, -T, so one thing I learned today. And we just started off very simple. So it was about little different clinical pearls that we would learn on rotation and uh, starting to post some of our visual graphics. So one of our favorite things about you know, getting involved in Twitter, it was not just about sharing different clinical pearls or clinical topics, but also about engaging about different tips of advice, you know, getting involved with students or residents or new practitioners and learning things like how to go to ASHP mid-year and network or look for a residency program. So all those different things really helped to engage us with different learners and clinicians through social media. So our pathway was surely something where you kind of have to consistently engage and provide a presence of some sorts, make yourself unique. That's one thing that Ashley and I learned. It's that, you know, although our posts at first would just get one or two likes, it was like, do not get discouraged by the numbers of likes or followers. Continue to be yourself. Don't get discouraged as quality will always trump quantity. There's really no numeric measurement to define your impact or success on social media. So we continue to share our passions, creativity, and love for knowledge and education. We let our personality shine with our infographics to allow our voice to really be heard and help develop and build our professional presence on social media. So it was really getting involved and starting early and then also engaging with those who are on social media. Yeah, Brooke, I think you did a great job of summarizing kind of how we got there. Um, I really think that the Twitter out of, there are different social media platforms available for residents, pharmacists, students to get involved in. But I really think Twitter is the most valuable because it is an open network and there is already a massive amount of professional presence on Twitter compared to other social media platforms like Facebook or Instagram. And so, you know, like Brooke mentioned, I'm in, you know, I'm in Texas. I did pharmacy school in Pennsylvania, but I know pharmacists from Chicago, California, everywhere. And the only reason I can attribute that is because of Twitter. And, you know, for me and any new practitioner or resident, we get faced on a daily basis with a massive amount of information that we have to keep ourselves up to date on. And Twitter, I find, is an immensely valuable educational resource because it not only condenses it, but allows, you know, because other people post about new articles, but it also enhances your lifelong learning strategy. And as pharmacists, that is something that is almost within our oath as becoming a pharmacist is an oath to lifelong learning. But being on Twitter, it makes it so much more engaging because you're learning from experts around the world. So I think for me, it's 
it's made me like an engaged and active connected member of this really large pharmacy community that I feel like it helps me impact patient care in a better way because I'm more informed and it helps me be informed about new practice changing literature information. So I can go on about many things to describe the value of social media, but I really think that it's something that you really have to experience in order to see the true value it has. Well, I think both of you gave us such good examples of your social media journey. And I love the focus on engagement. I think that is a great place, you know, for connection and for learning. And I love the idea too, about meeting people from different parts of the country, different practice settings, and also then taking some pressure off relating to like this post needs to have this many retweets or likes or whatever. Cause I think sometimes, you know, we can get caught up on that or people can, you know, worry that I'm not connected enough. But I've also seen that sometimes the reinforcing messages, you know, I know that there were some student pharmacists that had expressed some things that were hard related to the end of the semester, you know, in the spring. And I remember I posted an encouraging message to someone and they were just so happy and responded back. And I think that there can be a way to encourage. And, you know, I mentioned it was your infographics that really sparked interest for me. I was like, that is such a cool way. So I love that your mentor, that Robert encouraged you to get that out there. And I've actually shared some of them. I I know you did one early on with COVID that I actually shared with my family because I'm like, okay, this is a good one related to PPE. And, um, you know, sometimes when we're trying to talk, I think for those of us who are in the health professions about flu shots or, you know, whatever it is, explaining it to other people in our family, it's sometimes helpful to have something like that. So, you know, these things can go, can go far and wide. And I'm hoping that after listening to our discussion today, that our listeners, if they're thinking of tapping, you know, they're, they're putting their toe in the water with social media, that they'll give it a try. As far as I'm concerned, and I think you all would echo this, it's been extremely rewarding and very engaging. Certainly. And I think now that with with COVID and everything being being virtual nowadays, the, the value of Twitter has actually amplified by plenty because we can't go see people in person. So, you know, there's even talk about, you know, certain meetings this year having connections through Twitter, Twitter chats, instead of networking in a room full of people at, you know, the ACCP annual meeting or ASHP mid-year, why not all find an intriguing way to connect on Twitter? And so I, I highly encourage um, listeners of this podcast to join Twitter, reach out to us for advice on, on how to build your profile, because we're happy to do that. And I think, you know, that will help you become connected meet more people in pharmacy and supplement for that networking experience that might not be, you know, there this year due to the virtual nature of this, this year's meetings. Yeah. I love that. That is, that's such a great advice and insight. So a theme that we've had today, Brooke is mentoring and, you know, mentoring is a really important topic. I talk about it a lot in my leadership lectures and when I'm meeting with student pharmacists and residents. And a few months ago, I saw that you all had done a mentoring infographic and that you also wrote a a related article in AJHP. So tell me a little bit more about how that publication came about and what's in the mentoring infographic. Yeah, absolutely. So I think Ashley and I can both agree that mentorship or having mentors, whether it was through pharmacy school, currently as residents, or even even as we continue throughout our professional career, that mentorship is undoubtedly one of the most important professional relationships that you can have. And I think a lot of our article was kind of centered around, even as we jumped onto social media and started meeting so many 
excellent connections nationally and even within our own residency programs, how is it that we really leverage these mentor relationships, but then also pay it forward? How do we serve as successful mentors as we continue through our professional career and move out of being new practitioners and can serve to help grow some of the future pharmacy leaders that are coming into pharmacy school pretty much every, uh, every year. So this was a really exciting manuscript for us to write and very, you know, I think it was great for us to kind of personally identify how do you define a professional relationship what are the different types? And then how can you really leverage their use? So in this manuscript, we specifically discuss the role of the different professional relationships, including mentors, advisors, coaches, and sponsors. I think a lot of us specifically think of mentors as one of the most prominent in terms of a professional relationship. This is a longitudinal relationship, you know, someone who you look up to as a mentor, as a role model, this mentor serves as a role model to you in more than one domain most, most oftentimes. And these relationships can develop organically and it really takes interpersonal compatibility is one of the keys to help support the mentor as well as the mentee in their ambitions and career plans. So Ashley and I have developed a lot of mentor relationships and I think identifying that and helping us to grow in our career path, whether it was through social media and our engagement on there, or even in our own professional careers, whether it's through critical care or oncology, your mentor helps you as an invested in helping you grow in your career path. But I think it's important to also say that mentors are also invested in your wellness and well-being. What, is your, what are your personal hobbies? How are you balancing residency with your personal life and your health and wellness? So that's, I also feel like that's a great value in terms of benefit from a mentorship relationship. Some of the other ones that we discussed were sponsors, advisors, and coaches, which I would encourage the, the listeners, of course, to maybe read parts of the manuscript to help them identify in their minds how are the different relationships in their life? How can they kind of categorize them into one of these different buckets? But of course, a lot of these are also uh, intermingled. So you can have a mentor that also serves as your advisor. But just, you know, briefly, a sponsor is someone who s serves as your career expander. So they're your advocate for you and to help you climb in terms of a career ladder. But these are oftentimes seen as, you know, someone who's in the workplace, maybe they're someone of hierarchy and can help you within the profession, but it's more times a periodic rather than a longitudinal relationship. So I see this, you know, personally, maybe my advisor or my manager, my supervisor or program director, someone who's committed to helping me advance my career path and ability to really advocate on my behalf. For an advisor perspective, unlike mentors who really serve to help guide you, an advisor can help direct you, answer specific questions. You know, in Ashley going to Texas, how can someone help her find the resources that she needs to, you know, be able to find the library? Or, you know, how is it that she can navigate some of the new things in Texas? That's kind of how we promoted advisors throughout this manuscript. And they can really help you in specific areas of your learning process. And also those relationships as advisors can organically develop into a mentor relationship as well. Finally, coaches, these are people who help you learn and address a specific skill set and help you build habits into a desired level of competency. So for example, this can be a preceptor within pharmacy training that helps you, you know, gain strength and skills within presentation skills or your patient care skills. So the infographic that Ashley and I uh, had developed for this manuscript was really centered around each one of these specific 
mentor or professional relationships. And it was quotes from some people who actually met through social media and they shared, you know, what is it that a mentor means to you or a sponsor, coach, advisor. And hopefully we can share the infographic as a part of this podcast, but it kind of summarizes in two sentences or less what each one of these professional relationships mean to each of these persons. And I think it's kind of like a two sentence definition that really helps to summarize each one of their roles. Yeah, we can definitely share the infographic. And I love how you highlighted so that people could see the difference and how they relate and how they're separate. And, you know, when I think of sponsorship, I think of a couple things. One is succession planning and, you know, wanting to develop people so that they can continue to advance in their roles. And then the other things that I've tried to do in my career as a sponsor is to think of people to nominate for task force, for a committee, for a council, for an award, for a scholarship. And, you know, how can I make sure that I can bring their name forward into the table? And so I think a sponsor can really help in making sure that people know of you and about you. And, you know, we've talked a lot about being in different geographic regions. And I think having sponsors, you know, with varied backgrounds and from around the country can really help raise awareness. So I, I look forward to sharing the infographic and then you touched on another piece with mentoring that I think is so important is this looking at the holistic view of an individual and keeping their well-being in mind. And boy, right now, the idea of well-being as we're in these turbulent times is really mission critical. And I know that's one thing that you all share and that I'm also passionate about is well-being and wellness. And so, Ashley, can you talk a little bit about what that means to you and what does that look like for you as a PGY2 resident? Yeah, absolutely. Great question. And you're right how the emphasis on well-being has particularly been amplified in this time during COVID. I think the most important thing about well-being is, is taking a step back and, and thinking about how we define well-being. You know, using a more scientific definition, when I when I was posed with this question, even at the beginning of residency, they asked us kind of like what well-being means to us. I looked at this definition and, and tried to, to break it up into my own life to see if I'm if I'm fulfilling my own need for well-being. So defined by the WHO. It's a state in which individuals realize his or her own abilities, can cope with the normal stresses of life, can work productively, and is able to contribute to his or her own community. And so kind of breaking up the little parts of this definition in how I try to promote my own well-being as a resident, I think the first part, you realize your own abilities. This is so important because, you know, whether you're a pharmacy resident or student, it can be very easy to get overwhelmed by the amount of information that you're given. And sometimes you feel like you've gone through pharmacy school and learned so much, but once you go out into practice, it's like starting a whole new book <laughs> and there's just still every day there's something new to learn. So knowing your own abilities and being comfortable with your knowledge and the fact that there is so much more to learn can really help you be satisfied with your knowledge and excited to learn more and which promotes well-being and prevents burnout from feeling like you don't know much. So I think that's a really important aspect of your own knowing your own abilities. And also something that that I've learned a lot is an important skill to develop is the art of confidently and, and graciously being able to say no, because kind of extending yourself into too many different directions can hamper on your well-being because then you don't have enough time for yourself. It's so important to make sure that just as, as in you schedule your appointments for, for work and things like that, you have to schedule in time for yourself. It's, it's just as important. 
So the second part of this definition says, can cope with the normal stresses of life. And this for me means I always need a support system in my life. And so Brooke has been a major support system for me. And I highly encourage everyone going through residency or any type of hard time or in order to just have well-being, always have someone that you can confide in. It helps you deal and cope with, you know, the normal stresses of life. The third part is you can work productively. So I think this means for me, time management. For me, I think this is important to develop throughout throughout residency training is making, especially now that most people are, are working from home and there is no physical separation between work and home, you have to make sure that you, you know your limitations. So you have to create your boundaries between work and home, maybe not physical, but at least time so that you know you're scheduling in time for yourself, but also completing your work in a productive period of time. And so I know for me, when I first started working virtually, I was basically working all day because it's not like I was leaving work to come home and relax. I was at home all the time. So I think this is super important in the time of COVID to really have that boundary between when is the time that you're going to take to do work and the time that you're going to take to take care of yourself because they're both as equally as important. And so then the last one is being able to contribute to his or her own community. I think for me, this just means, you know, being able to get out there, do your exercise, get out, you know, volunteer, just do things for yourself that make you feel good. And my favorite part about this definition is the last part that I haven't mentioned yet. It says, well-being involves having a positive self-image and esteem. For me, this means if you're if fulfilling the previous things I discussed, then you'll have confidence in yourself. And the most important thing is investing as much time in yourself as you do in your career and other aspects of life. And so I think if you fulfill these previous definitions, then you really can build that confidence in yourself that you know, you're really fulfilling your life in the different aspects that I had mentioned to enhance your well-being. Wow. I love looking at it that way and that you broke it down in the different parts. And scheduling. You know, I think that you, when you talked about scheduling the time in to make sure that you're taking care of yourself, and I think also recognizing it's okay, sometimes you're going to be off, you know, and things are going to get out of whack, and especially in these turbulent times, and then recalibrating and adjusting, but going back to the things that make a difference and the connections with community. That was really, really helpful. I, I enjoyed that quite a bit. Thank you. So I have had such a nice time with you all tonight talking, and you've had such fabulous insights to share and talking about your journey. On the Melissa Rx Scripts podcast, the closing question that I've asked my guests is, is there one prescription or life lesson you'd like to share with others or comment on in the spirit of Melissa Rx Scripts? Brooke, do you want to go first? Sure. So I guess keeping in the theme of leadership, I really enjoyed, so this was a quote from Barack Obama who said, you know, making your mark on this world is hard. If it were easy, everybody would do it, but it's not. It takes patience, it takes commitment, and it comes with plenty of failures along the way. The real test, however, is not whether you avoid this failure because you won't, it's whether you learn from it and whether you choose to persevere. So for me personally, this means that, you know, perseverance is so important and find out your why. So me and Ashley ask ourselves this question all the time. What's your why? And when you find it, you'll find your way. I love that. I love the idea of perseverance and what can I learn from it? And if you get knocked down, kind of just dust yourself off, get up and keep going. And also to try to be encouraging to others on that. So that is such a cool thing. And what about you, Ashley? 
My favorite quote, and it's only, it's very simple. It's only three words and I will eventually get a license plate that has this on there somehow because it's the three words I live by, never give up. And for me, this just means knowing that there will be difficult times. There will be times where, you know, things get things get really hard either in residency. Right now during COVID, we're all faced with a very difficult time period in our life. But we realize that these difficult times only make us stronger. Like Brooke mentioned, if we persevere, if we see positivity in times of discomfort or in, in times like this where things can feel really difficult, I feel like those are the types of people that that persevere the most and have that strength to never, you know, never give up and try to always continue working until, you know, things get better. And we only ever learn from our mistakes. That's the best thing I've learned in residency. So if you feel like you never want to give up, you, you're that type of person that consistently is learning from your mistakes to make you a better better person in the end. I think it was Dr. Sarah White who said problems are opportunities in disguise. And that's another good one too. <laughs> yeah, I would say all of those, you know, never give up, learn from your problems. How can you continue to grow? Well, that is a great way to close out our discussion. And I want to say thank you. You know, we made a little history tonight, first time that we had sisters on the podcast. And I want to give a shout out to my sister, who I think will be listening at some point, um, Marguerite Mira Tortorello. And like you two, we are very close. And we were fortunate enough to, at one point, when I was out in D.C., she also had an op a career opportunity that took her out there. And so we had many adventures together over the years and lived together for a short amount of time. And now I'm a dear aunt to her twins. And I think sisters are the best. So this has been just super fun connecting with you and learning on your leadership journey and what your passions are. I really just wanna say thank you. And to everyone listening, I wanna say thank you. If you could please subscribe to our show and follow me, Melissa Muir Corrigan on social media. I wanna give a shout out to Executive Podcast Solutions and to our producer today, Jeremy Kaur. And thanks so much for listening. Thank you. Thank you.